0: Welcome to the Halftime Mike Podcast, presented by basketball fan and Hoosier native Mike Gingrich, where practical, no-nonsense resourcing on social media, business marketing, and life is presented, because the adjustments made at halftime help you win the game in the second half.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Halftime Mike Podcast. You know every week we come together, take a halftime break, step aside, step back, and give you a topic that uh, will hopefully give you some – Interesting tidbits, some things to think about, digital marketing, social media marketing, life, and leadership. So today is uh, no exception from that. We're going to dive in, and I am so pleased to have with me a young couple that I met in Victoria, British Columbia at Social Media Camp. And they are the founders of Kushu, and we're going to learn about that. This is an e-commerce store with a unique business model and unique way of going about business, something that I don't think you want to miss how they are diving in, and so I'm going to just dig in with them and and allow you to hear their story more than introduce them myself, just because that is what we want to talk about today, their story and how KUSHU has evolved. So welcome again, Rachel.
2: Hi. Thanks for having us.
1: All right. No, I'm thrilled to have you here with me today, and as a follow-up that Jesse and I have been able to stay in touch some since our... um, our meeting in um, British Columbia, and uh, wasn't that a uh, you know a wonderful uh, moment there? Where it was an evening where there was uh, you know the networking party, loud music. Um, that was that the night of the. They were they were doing.
0: Um, that was the, the that was the opening night, and there was uh, there was karaoke. Karaoke, so yes. So depending on who was on stage, uh, our, our background music was either excellent or. Uh, <laughs> Needed a bit of work.
1: That's right. That's right. And I remember being uh, a few inches, you know, six inches away from you and, and yelling to uh, make sure we could communicate. <laughs> yeah. And, and yet we had a wonderful conversation, and that's what evolved yeah, yeah. to this.
0: That was a wonderful connection. I agree. It was, yeah. My ears were ringing by the end, but it was, it was great.
1: <laughs> All right. Very good. So I kind of set the stage here and said that, uh, you know, you have a unique story here. And we want to expound upon that today. So let's just uh, start with the the basics here. And you have an e-commerce store. It's called Kushu. And tell our audience what you sell there.
0: So we sell a uh, a line of uh, one size fits all accessories. So uh, headbands, hair ties, we make a, a shawl that we actually kickstarted last year that is 12 outfits in one. And uh, and we're about to launch uh, what we think could be our biggest, most exciting products yet, which is uh, probably the best baby pants that are out there on the market. So okay, that's what we do right now.
1: So the baby pants is not there, but getting ready to come. It's, it's-
0: that that's going to be launching via uh, kickstarter this fall so it's coming up we're literally shooting all of the collateral right now and uh and we really we're really excited about this product we think it's definitely it's just a, a big 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 opportunity for us and and uh to get this product out our little girl we have a eight-month-old little girl and uh she wears them every day and it's been great we, we get to test them a lot <laughs> all there.
1: right all right all right now and I don't want to just quickly go past what you what you briefly mentioned there, but let maybe dive into that just a touch more. Maybe, Rachel, you want to address this one, but it was a shawl that is 12 outfits in one. Is that, is that what yeah. I Yeah. So, um, Kushu, a
2: big part of our kind of philosophy is that We want to encourage people to really express themselves and be themselves as opposed to using fashion to kind of hide behind a veil or of such. So um, every product is designed to be really versatile so you can just make it your own. So this kind of the the journey shawl, as we call it, because it's amazing for traveling, um, was designed so that you could. Pack it with you, and it could serve you in like a dozen ways. There we go. So yeah.
0: <laughs> It'd be a dress, a poncho, a halter top, a traditional shawl, a skirt. Yeah. It's got a lot of uh, a lot of uses. It was definitely
1: designed with travelers in mind. Okay. All right. So, and you've touched on a couple of things now. A little bit of your philosophy, a little bit on travel, which is all part of your story here. So okay. I, I want to dive into that then, the, the wonderful story of Kushu and, and the uniqueness which I saw there. And I guess I should start out by saying, I mean, you're based in Vancouver. And um, Jesse, you're Canadian by birth. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Okay. And, and then it's Rachel where yes. this story kind of really <laughs> starts and draws from. So yeah, you want to dig in and give so, me a little of the background. Okay.
2: Hey, I'm going to give you a, a, the shortest version I can because it's a very long, deep yep. story. Um, so I'm I've been born and raised on a very small island called Norfolk Island. It's um, located in the South Pacific. It's 800 miles north of New Zealand and a thousand miles east of Australia across from Brisbane. And it's so it's in the middle of the South Pacific. And um, there's 1500 people that live there. There's a cluster of three little islands. And I'm an eighth-generation Islander, so been there since actually the mutiny of the Bounty. Um, so kushu, the word kushu is a, the word itself is also to do with our philosophy. It's a it's a native word to Norfolk Island, and it literally means feeling good. So if somebody greets you, um, they'd say what away you, and if everything's feeling awesome, you're like kushu. I'm kushu. So kushu is really that beautiful island feeling you get when you like get to Hawaii or any Polynesian kind of island, mm-hmm. that laid-back, life is flowing, everything's good. So that really is kind of our, our touchstone for our whole business. We want everything to have that feeling of kushu.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Life is flowing, everything is good. And that's, that's, uh, that's wonderful. And now... Okay, let's take the next step then. So that's kind of the background. That's where the word comes from, the name. And so, how did we evolve the next step into some type of product and a e-commerce product at that?
2: Yeah. So we went on a major trip, kind of, was it five six years ago. Yeah,
0: we had a, a bit of a turning point where we we both stepped away from our careers because um, we just wanted to switch it up, and we bought a one-way ticket at the time to Asia. And we uh, we traveled overland through Asia for a year, um, and in that time we kind of decided that we wanted to work together. Uh, our skills were complementary. I have a business marketing background. Rachel has a design, um, graphic design and illustration background. Um, and what we kind of saw on that trip was uh, we saw a lot of opportunity to to do business in, in a in a more ethical transparent way than what we were kind of what we'd seen and what we walked away from necessarily in canada uh, and north america
2: i think being in asia specifically more than anything was we were kind of in a couple towns you know when you kind of get off the tourist track where you were kind of seeing the underbelly of the garment industry mm-hmm. um and that was we were on a we, you know quite privileged to be traveling for a year and then you're looking at kind of these quick decisions you make at home and all of a sudden, it's it's affecting whole towns of how they live their lives, and you know, from dyes just in you know the waterways, and just just kind of carelessness without people even realizing they're being careless okay. because we're so far away. Uh,
0: yeah, and it, and it's to be and it, to be really fair, it, it's really difficult when you when you go to a a, a, a store, mall a-, a store and you see a shirt or a pair of pants that look fantastic and they're twenty dollars. It's really difficult, I think, to to think about why that cost is what it is—it's, it, you know, because in your immediacy, especially a lot of us were, you know, tight for money. It, it just makes so much sense. But there are repercussions, and, and that was part of what we started Kusha for. Is we we came back and we wanted to show that there was a better way. Um, and
2: just give a better option. Yeah.
0: You know, we evolved into uh, one size fits all accessories because largely we wanted to be an online company. We wanted to do it in North America. And for us, uh, when we were launching, especially One Size Fits All was so conducive to the Internet. It, it, uh, it cut down on the potential for exchanges and returns. And it just made the communication of what we were trying to achieve so much simpler. Um, and we are actually both yoga teachers ourselves as well. It's, uh, it's what we love to do. And uh, and so we began by essentially designing uh, things that would complement our practice, both on and off our yoga mats.
1: Okay, good. So so there's a, a connection to So the journey to Asia helped you kind of see uh, at the core where how things were made, uh, and in many cases clothing, and and then the I, I like that the one size fits all. I mean, and and just the fact that that fits the web. Uh, so so basically any product you have is a one size fits all. Is that the idea
2: right now? Yeah. It's one size fits all. And then it's also on top of that designed like strategically to be able to be worn in many different styles so you can reappropriate it to yeah. how you want it to work. Yeah.
0: And and that's what we're particularly excited about with also these baby pants is uh, the baby pants are actually going to, uh, going to adhere to both of those design uh, objectives as well, being, uh, one size, which I know is somewhat counterintuitive when you see how quickly a baby grows and uh, and also yeah, versatile in the way it can be worn. So we're, we're really excited about this product and it, it is a perfect complement to the other products in our portfolio because of that.
1: Okay, excellent. So those are a couple uniquenesses, but then you also have uh, taken that to your to the entire process, uh, all the way down to the materials, the organic materials. Um, I mean, Jesse, you want to go into that a little bit more?
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: our
2: way of doing business
1: uh, yeah, threw it off. Yeah, when when
0: we started the company, to, to be totally honest, we we actually didn't know what our products were going to be okay. when we launched this company. We we started it uh, with a foundation of wanting to do good uh, effectively, which sounds maybe a bit cheesy, but uh, we were just so inspired by the trip and and believing that we could show that there's a better way. And um, also
2: understanding that. You can make a bigger impact as a business, perhaps more than as an individual. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so we use um, we use our our brand Kushu uh, as a filter, as a brand filter for everything that we do. So, whenever we make a decision, whether it's purchasing a certain type of uh, of material, thread, even uh, even our trim, which is what our threads and buttons are, all the way through to what we do with the profits after a sale. Uh, we ask ourselves, does this feel cushy? Does this feel good? Um, and and so we use that brand filter to make sure that every part of our business, uh, every part of our supply chain is in alignment with our values and in alignment with our brand. Um, and so that's infused the entire brand with, um, with, with that very energy. So we, we start, we, we source, uh, only organic and natural materials. We, we make the world's only uh, organic cotton hair ties um, because we actually had a, a facility on the East Coast in America that has specially milled an organic cotton natural rubber elastic for us that's never been done. Um, we, uh, Wait, now,
1: we, that's, that's, a, that's a key statement right there. So these <laughs> are huge nuggets here. So world's only organic cotton hair tie?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, the the beauty of the Internet, as you know, Mike, is that you can be niche and and it's still incredibly relevant to a huge number of people worldwide. And and we saw a demand for organic cotton hair ties, which simply aren't done. I
2: mean, it's just one of those things because you don't pay a lot for it. People throw them out and they lose them all the time or like every it's kind of I don't like to say it's like people that put their butts out on the street like they drop them. They don't care. But you're really polluting everywhere you go. So. We thought let's make something that actually lasts longer that's quality that people actually have some value associated with it so that it's not just mass consumed yeah. without yeah
0: and, so. and in principle that's wonderful but it to to be honest like we we spent nearly 2 years setting this company up and and it was largely because True. uh yeah. huh? to find somebody to make an organic cotton uh, elastic was actually really difficult especially when your parameters say well it has to be done Uh, Within North America, it's got to be done with these ethical standards. It it, it was it took a long time to set that supply chain up, and and that's you know something that we're incredibly proud of is the fact that we have been able to source that, and we can now share that story. And the fact that it comes from uh, from a mill, a fabric mill, uh, you know, in America, it's completely it's actually organic cotton, American grown cotton. Uh, and then we uh, we turn those into hair ties in our facility in downtown Los Angeles where their' hand dyed by a family business and we're able to create this this elaborate story, but a story that actually there's a reason that there's a story there you know it, it's for a good purpose um for a product that otherwise you know a lot of people just pick up at a at a at a drugstore drug without thinking twice about. And we've seen tremendous response to that, which has been wonderful when you when you have a gut feeling and then uh, on the other end of it, people react so positively.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. And for the audience, again, maybe one of you can just dive into a little bit more the, uh the, the focus on wanting to have it made in North America then.
2: Yeah, do you want to go through the other steps of kind of our…
0: Um, yeah so we we um so basically we we left that trip in asia and, and I, I think we should also say that there, there are a lot of wonderful facilities in Asia. one of the challenges in in garment manufacturing and, and any manufacturing in that sense is you you can find a facility um, and this happens a lot uh, it's rampant in the fashion industry where you contract a garment to be made with that facility and then they subcontract that garment to be made in another facility or who knows where it's being made? Sure. Um, and for us, the way we were going to get around that potential issue by going overseas or going so was to make it as local as possible, so that we could be in the facility, be
2: like really involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, right and have the source.
0: Set. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, to be really honest, when we launched this company, we we wanted to try to manufacture in Vancouver because that was as local as we could get, and um, As our economies go increasingly to service based economies, in Canada now small scale dyeing of fabric, unless you're doing it yourself, which wasn't in our skill set.
2: And we do specialty dyeing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did not exist in Canada as a whole. So you had to actually import your dyed fabric from overseas. Um, One of the last remaining places in North America where small scale dyeing exists is in Los Angeles. and the lovely part of this, which we didn't realize at the time, but now makes so much sense, is most of our, our uh, client base is American and, and there are more people in California than Canada. So by manufacturing in LA, uh, we we effectively are more local than we could have ever been previously.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Now. And, yeah.
2: it, it works out well because our, our our footprint is a lot smaller.
1: Yes. Okay. Tremendous. Now, I'm on your, your site as well, and I'll make sure that uh, I include this in the show notes uh which basically kind of has a simple um artistic rendering of your your way of doing business starting with the organic and natural made in la um ethically operated and i i'm kind of at the maybe you want to expand upon that or the solar power those are the kind of the next two components so is anybody want to dive into those
0: yeah we so we've um again part of the the way that business has evolved we we found we a uh, partner that we work together with uh, and built a relationship with that um dyes from one of the world's only solar powered dye houses uh, and they're amazing and to top it off they do what in our industry is called specialty dyeing which is basically uh non solid color so it's tie dyes it's Uh, ombre dyes and in our case we do something artisan dyeing which is really cool yeah we do something called batik dyeing which is an ancient uh, indonesian uh, dyeing technique where they lay out fabric they put wax on the fabric they apply the dye and then once
2: they crack the wax they crack the
0: wax so that the dye goes into the fabric and then they wash the wax off and you get this incredible kind of veining technique that is so unique And it's really manually uh, intensive to do this. And this almost does not exist uh, in North America. I've actually I was just in L.A. working with our facilities for a week. And literally, this is one of the only places you can find it on the continent. And it's uh, it's 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 actually like an artisanal technique. So what we are, again, so proud of is that. You know, when our economies are going increasingly service based, to find this really artistic, artisanal technique that we're able to integrate into our products and then share that's supporting jobs and creative opportunities in North
1: America. It,
0: it's such a win on every, on every level.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Now, okay, so how about the solar power then? Is there part of that process you want to expand upon that, that includes that?
0: yeah so so that same facility is the one uh so they're where we're dyeing our fabrics it's in a solar powered facility so
2: it's perfect being in la it's yeah, pretty lots easy of sun. <laughs> yeah
0: um, you get more sun than where we are in canada So today is a beautiful day
2: yeah so uh, a huge portion of their power as dyeing is very you know there's washers and dryers it is very power intensive so they supplement their power with um a huge grid of solar on their roof um so yeah, we were very excited when you know y- years ago when we were trying to find our partners when we found that we were like That's, thank you this, this is this is what we're talking about. This is feeling cushy. <laughs> yes.
1: Excellent. All right. And then now what what's also I think more rare is that you have chosen to designate a certain percentage uh, of your Profits to charity, and and maybe you want to explain a little bit more about that, and even how you came out on that specific percentage. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you want me to? So, when we began this um, this venture, it was obviously was always about, in some way, trying to leave a positive impact. So, um, we're trying to figure out where we wanted to actually give back specifically um, financially at the end of the day, we're still very, very open and it can always evolve right now. Um, the community that we're, we're putting this uh, money towards is in downtown Vancouver, East side Vancouver, which is known to be the poorest um, area in all of Canada. Um, and there's a community there that is supports, um, workshops, courses, and just, uh, really a safe place for that community to do, um, holistic, like yoga, meditation, um, things to help people, um, get, get back on track and feel loved and supported, um, wherever they're at. So we, we donate, um, we also taught yoga there as well. Um, but that's where a percentage of our, um, profits go towards. It's called karma teachers.
0: Okay actually phenomenal facility they do incredible incredible inspiring work
2: and they're actually just starting to open across canada and various other locations
1: okay wonderful
2: yeah
1: now as you have evolved online and you have um, grown the business what what have been ways that you get the word out online. I mean, how, how are you growing the business? What is some of the, the marketing efforts that, uh, you are using and that have been, uh, successful for you?
0: So we, we see a ton of, just to be totally transparent, we see a lot of opportunity for growth on our part here. Um, you know, we think we're still, we've got, we've learned a lot, you know, but there's still so much opportunity. I think three of the places that we've seen a, a lot of uptake uh, one is we did this kickstarter last year which you know wasn't necessarily a long-term SEO thing though it did link build really well but uh, we we ran a kickstarter to launch the product we mentioned earlier the 12 in 1 journey shell and it was a huge success we reached our original funding goal in 3 days and it just took off after that Um, and we got, uh, attention from all around the world and it created opportunities. We ended up selling it Japan because of this. It, it fostered opportunities that we didn't even think, uh, we couldn't even see coming beforehand. Um, so that was a phenomenal technique for us in raising our overall profile, um,
2: that was also due to traditional press involved with a campaign like that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we got some great press on that. Uh, the next part that has been really beneficial to a store like us, and again, it's it's not entirely kind of in line with uh, SEO side, but is is by um, by opening our products up to other online marketplaces. Uh, we saw uh, simply by opening on Amazon and Etsy, for example, it uh, it effectively. Uh, doubled our sales just by opening up those new sales channels Um, and so it was a fairly nominal amount of work uh, to create a huge new revenue stream that helps support um, everything else that we do to help build our brand Um, there are pluses and minuses to that you know but uh, and we're very conscious of that it's not maybe the best place for brand building though uh, at the yeah, end of the day, the
2: exposure is great.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's been really a wonderful platform for us. And then the third part, where we're really starting to invest our time, and that I spoke to you about uh, when we first met, Mike, was uh, we're really working on our content strategy and trying to add value-driven content um, for our users. We launched a new blog, which is called the Feel Good Daily or the Kushu Daily, um, just uh, right before we met at Social Media Camp, and. Uh, we've got a kind of a content calendar that has us really focusing on delivering content that's high value, that is applicable to the people that have been buying our products and interacting with us in our community.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know we, we spent some time on that, the content marketing, and but it's also just interesting to note, kind of re- hearing and thinking about what you've just said, that uh, a Kickstarter campaign where, where essentially you're trying to get the word out – and raise money for your business was actually one of the biggest marketing campaigns. So that that's a double bonus, right? I mean, so that your funds are being raised and the marketing exposure expanded you that way.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great platform because it's all about storytelling.
1: You have to tell
2: your story clearly, concisely, and it's all packaged beautifully. So you put so much work into it, but it's so easy to deliver and people can grasp it really quickly and mm-hmm. they get it. So it's, it's a very, it's, it's a great little package solution in a lot of ways.
0: Excellent, yes. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're gonna be launching our uh, our baby pants using a crowdfunding campaign as well. And, uh, and the other beautiful thing too is we've learned so much about the process the first time around that we feel that we're in a much stronger position to leverage that again for a second time around and, and extend our reach well beyond what we did with our first campaign.
2: They're a lot of fun to do. Yeah, there
0: are a lot of work okay. to do as well, and there's and there's also an element of risk. I know I've spoken to a lot of people that have tried running, you know, crowdfunding campaigns and haven't been successful. So I think that for anyone interested, I would definitely encourage, but I wouldn't. Uh, I would also stress the amount of work yeah. and and that there's risk.
1: Okay, now that kind of it, it kind of begs the question though. I mean, if you're thinking about it again, I mean, what are I don't know if you can summarize, but what are some of the key things that someone thinking about a crowdfunding uh, process needs to think through ahead of time or be prepared for?
2: Jesse needs to publish that blog.
1: Yeah, we've we've, uh, (laughs) we've got some great content on that.
2: He gets emailed that so often. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) There it goes. There it goes. That's the one that will drive traffic to you right there. Okay, with that, we want to end part one of this two-part series on KUSHU. Now, in part two, we're going to get ready to dive right back into the key elements of success that they found with crowdfunding campaigns. We're going to talk about Kickstarter. They talk about Indiegogo. They dive into their three models, what you need to do pre-campaign, during campaign, post-campaign, and then we dive further into their online marketing with their content marketing, uh, what's working on social media for them, the, the key platforms that they're seeing success with, and we talk about email marketing and the ways that, that go. So part two coming up. This was part one, introducing you to the wonderful story of Kushu feeling good with Jesse and Rachel. This is Mike with the Halftime Mike podcast. Be sure to come back for part two and hear the rest. This is a wonderful story. We're going to share it all. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Halftime Mike Podcast with Mike Dingrich. Remember, what you do in the second half can change the outcome of the game. Does your business need resourcing, tools, and social media consulting? Then visit MikeDingrich.com. Want to have Mike speak at your next event? Visit MikeDingrich.com speaking. Join us again for another episode of Halftime Mike, your no-nonsense guide to victory on the court of life.